very good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to another episode of Coaster, Coaster Kings, Kings Radio. Otto's oh, cute. We did that it was together. the first time that we've done that. For we did kind of sort of practice it. We tested it by earlier accident. by accident, and we were like, oh, that was cute. So here it is we're for you. Do that. You know what else is cute? Us. Yeah, but I was talking about Kennywood. Our photos, yeah. But yeah, so we had uh, we had a great time at Kennywood, which is what we'll be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of articles on the website by the time this comes out. Um, one about Bites and Pints, the new... First, is it Pints and Bites or Bites and Pints? Bites and Pints uh, food... Festival. Uh, yeah. At Kennywood, our first ever food festival. We uh, we were invited by the park. We had a great time. We'll talk a little bit about that this episode. It was, we were, it was like meant to be. We already were going, and so we asked a friend of ours, um, and he provided us with the tickets. And then he was like, "Please come to this food thing that we're doing because this is the the media event, like the test night for it on the night that you're going to be there, a Wednesday, you know, a Wednesday after Memorial Day." And um, it all worked out. It worked out beautifully. So we'll talk about that, and of course we'll be talking about all the cool rides that Kennywood has to offer. This was your first time. It was my first visit. Alex had been before. This I'm like obsessed, time. but my, mainly what the thing is next to the park. That's so funny. Which is a giant U.S. This steel plant. This was Sean's plant. first time seeing a functioning steel mill. It's very American. Well, American one an that American looks like rustic mill, as hell like in the mountains. Like no, the Pittsburgh yeah. thing. It yeah, looks really cool. The whole Pittsburgh thing. So that was very fun. So where should we start? Should we start with, like, the entrance of the park? Yeah. How I'm, pedestrian. It's so, I, um, there's just something really charming about these, like, hundred-year-old parks. I'm thinking, like, Lake Compound, Six Flags, New England, Kennywood. They can be hit or miss, depending on how they're maintained. It's just so funny how, um, as they've grown, their entrances, their parking lots, their approaches have changed. Like, all three of those parks that I just mentioned have, like, a, a road in front of the entrance of their park that you have to circumnavigate. But back in the day, you would just park on the side of the street. Um, or even in Kennywood's case, you wouldn't park. You would take the trolley. That's the whole point of the park, park. the trolley park. Um, and, like, the entrance of Kennywood moved clear across the whole operation. Now, of course, like, Lost Kennywood, Pittsburgh Plunge, Exterminator, parts of Phantom are all what used to be the parking lot and the entrance to the park. And now you park on the other side of the road and go... Under a concrete tunnel, very Pittsburgh, um, and pop out um, at is what na- what is now what has been the entrance of the park for uh, the last oh, 25 years, I think. So yeah, so you get in and you sort of across the street see Fatness Revenge, uh, you see Skyrocket, and then you make your way through the entrance area under the tunnel. Mm-hmm. The tunnel isn't anything to write home about, but. <laughs> Uh, once you're on the other side, it's you cute. Feel the park is very it's characterful. Uh, lots of character, I guess. I'm it's, trying to say. That's a really charming park. It's very charming. There, it's a little rough around the edges in a couple of spots, but like I feel like most old parks man, are. I, I haven't seen place. an old it's park hard, that's completely. Polished. I have a hard time complaining about Kennywood. Honestly, some people make it really easy. <laughs> they love to complain about Kennywood. Maybe I just don't go often enough. But every time I go, I'm just like, oh my god, I love this park. So, so the much. first ride we, of course, headed to was Fetter's Revenge. That opened up probably about a half hour after the park opened. That was fine. We camped yeah. out out front. We were the first ones in line. Front and seat, we had a mission. First train of the day. So, yeah, we went out. Um, phenomenal ride. Had to warm up a little bit. And I, I gassed summit. this one up. I was like, not to, like, oversell it, but this might be, like, the best steel coaster in the Western Hemisphere. I've, I've often referred to it as my favorite steel coaster in the Western Hemisphere, Although, there's a couple other rides that could contend for that title. For me, uh, it was my number one for quite some time, and it's part of a very elite um, collection of, like, hypercoasters that I can't live without. Well, um, hypercoasters with terrain are unique. Yeah. They're really hard to get by. And this is, I mean, this is the poster child terrain coaster. It's just great that the second drop is the biggest drop. And it's just glorious. Straight just, towards the water, sort of. You I just know? I feel like this ride's too good to be true. Of course, it started out as an arrow looper. Which yeah, was, for those who don't know the background, <laughs> it used to be Steel Phantom, referring to, well, you know... The steel the mills. The steel mills from you, Pittsburgh. When you come off that second drop, it's just this incredible view of U.S. steel. Yeah, you're diving straight towards... One of the biggest steel plants in the U.S. You dive right... You, you come down the ravine and thread the superstructure of the Thunderbolt. 
And then you came up, you would come up and you would do a, a pretty tight little vertical loop. Small arrow loop, not the big vertical arrow loop. Uh, like for you demon fans out there. Second loop on it demon. It was the second loop on demon sized loop, not the full sized one. And then into a boomerang, and then into a corkscrew, all in very quick succession, and then a little helix, and then back up in the station. At the time, it was like Kennywood wanted to... to. I mean, first of all, it was amazing that they built this ride at all. And, like, designing it and threading it through Thunderbolt and, and using the ravine, it was like... It was a real remarkable thing that it was done. And also, what was interesting was the way they really wanted to follow the trends not only of like the mega looper trend but the hypercoaster um like a two-in-one yeah the hypercoaster trend really didn't even exist yet but there was this opportunity to build something that was a little bit viper magic mountain and a little bit magnum cedar point and do both um of course the loops and stuff the, the this this hybrid looping hypercoaster concept um ultimately didn't work in this case um, and so the ride became even more unique and remarkable. They took the existing aero looper trains, turned them into hypercoaster trains with these side-mounted lap bar mods and seat belts, which means, like, excellent leg room, no lap bar mechanism coming up from the ground or anything. It's just, like, right there off to the side. Um, the big fan curve that they... that immediately follows the second drop now instead of the inversions. It's just this beautiful, very Steel Dragon 2000 kind of moment on the ride. And then the fact that it dives back down and then back up through the Thunderbolt superstructure again is that crazy airtime hill that's like hiding inside of the Thunderbolt um, as you come up. And then you do your little lap around the turtle... Um, which is cute. We wrote the turtle. We'll talk about the turtle a little bit later. Um, and then just the ferocious airtime um, sequencing. Uh, just these sharp, aggressive little airtime hills. Just very, um, I don't want to say haphazardly. They're very natural and delightfully uh, peppered. Peppered through the hills. Um, peppered through the hills. And then you come flying into the brake run, which is incredibly short. The brake run's it's like funny, the length of one train. The first ride, it was pretty ferocious, but it wasn't like crazy, crazy. But then once it really started warming up and we started getting full trains, that ride, seriously, some of the most intense air. And I guess positives coming back over those hills. There's some great positive Gs. Around there. It the kind of reminds me of, uh, of Steel Eel. Yeah. Steel Eel's finale, but then... On steroids. Yeah. So, yeah, that was definitely it's a worthy first so ride. just something so special. Because you would never, like, build a ride like this on purpose. They kind oh, yeah, of it just, feels very unconventional. It they feels just very did strange. what they were able to do. and they, It's like you're in a roller coaster scenario, and you don't have any space, yeah. but you need to build something new. So you build this weird whatever kind of fits kind of coaster, and it ends up, you know, being, this being ride, an actual great ride. This ride is better than any ride that could have been deliberately set out and designed. When you get Morgan Manufacturing, like, designing hypercoasters in, like, a very matter-of-fact way, you get, like, the Cedar Fair Morgans, which are perfectly fine. They're good in their own right. But then the weirdness, everything that's weird about Phantom's Revenge is also what makes it exceptional. So they're, like, really just... Uh, you can't get enough of this ride. I, I Every time I wrote it, I just, I'm like, I couldn't believe that... They had the audacity to even build the Steel Phantom to begin with, and then the Phantom's Revenge uh, modification ten years later just, like, even made it even crazier uncanny. Just the most remarkable, uncanny ride. So what would you say is a favorite part of ride for you? Um, it's hard, because, like, the, it's, it's amazing. You get some air on the big drop when you're towards the back, which is really fun. And the speed, when you take the bottom of the drop and, and the flow as it, as it continues with the fan turn, is just, like, is a blockbuster moment. My single favorite moment on the ride is the airtime hill that's in the tunnel in between the turtle and the thunderbolt when you're coming up mm -hmm. into right before the big U-turn that um, frames the yeah, turtle. Yeah, it's not even really a hill. It's just, like, a differentiation It's just, like, a crick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, the, there's... there's airtime in like unexpected places and you hit it and it's just like a delight 
It looks like an airtime machine, and there's actually more airtime on it than looks uh, would suggest. I really like that the first drop reminded me so much of Viper. It's like the same drop, but without any sort of headbanging, I guess. Um, but then, for me, it would have to be the second drop as well. I think coming down, that this is like 200 foot drop into the ravine. Yeah, it's seeing like the steel factory right in front of you. It's just, it's, it's really neat. Like it is a really cool setting. It's just different, you know. It's it's like I feel like if I had to explain to someone what my idea of like a a perfect coaster is, this would be really up there. Comfortable trains, incredibly smooth tracking, smooth as glass, no vibration, nothing. Um, <laughs> Which foreshadowing. Is foreshadowing. We're gonna talk about some some vibrations, some good vibrations, and some, some bad, vibes, ba- some bad vibrations, um, in a little bit. But yeah, so a ride that's just remarkably terrain oriented, full of airtime, comfortable trains, because like you just you, you can't take good rolling stock for granted. There's a lot of great rides out there that um, are are way are, are held back by rolling stock that isn't the best, and these. Completely one of a kind Frankenstein hypercoaster retrofits of Aero Mega Looper trains are just I, I, incredible. It's amazing how much of this ride is so awesome when they basically took what they had and did what they could and hoped for the best. Uh, so I, I just I just can't say enough good things about this ride. I love I love the big turn at the end. That's like buried in a trench and you're like feet away from people's houses you're just like right there like in people's backyards before oh, you that take close that, yeah oh i realized that before yeah there's private residences right there i mean you can see some of them from the station of phantom you come up for that last airtime hill it has like it's like this tennessee tornado moment i think it's only into fair that we shout out the crew because first of all it was some of the most impressive operations i've seen in any Ever. north american park like, it was very, very impressive. The crew was They were dispatching so 34, 35 trains an hour, which is really good. Uh, they weren't... This ride is kind of short, but they weren't stacking at all. Like, they had the trains ready sitting there, yeah. waiting for the moment they could, they could clear they the station to get really it out. They were really on top of it. It was incredibly impressive. They got the whole crowd into it. Everybody was working together as a team to lots get of, the train lots locked. Lots of staff members, like, helping out with the loose articles and getting, getting everyone in and out of the train. It was very cool to see that, and they were also very interactive. They're very good about it. They gave us a cool, they're really, cool shout-out here yeah, and there. Yeah. Because we were wearing, ma- we were wearing shirts, matching shirts, as we do. And um, we mentioned, because we were you know the first people at the ride early in the morning, that we came from Orlando. We to drew that. some attention. And uh, I guess we just suddenly became like legendary status. Every time we came back, we got a shout-out. <laughs> staff say, members Not were, to like, sound talking. completely up our own asses, but I guess we were just celebrities. <laughs> it was weird. It was like, oh, it's, you know, it's the guys from Orlando. And yeah, they shouted us out. They're like, the Orlando we guys. We, no joke, you got, not exaggerating, I think we got 15... 15, 16 Compliments oh, on our on shirts. Our shirts. Oh. Not exaggerating. No shade Kennywood, I guess, but I'd, maybe we were just very fashionable, like for the region. I there don't were know. some other fashionable people there. We, we wear this there. stuff all the time, but I guess everyone there were really some liked wonderful them. looking individuals. I mean, I there saw were cool shirts. Lots though. of cool they outfits. I probably hadn't cool. seen actual summer shirts in a minute because yeah. it was cold up there. But it just—it definitely looked like we walked off the plane from Orlando. <laughs> um, and so, so they were—they we were living guys. for it. The staff. Not just to steal Phantom, but uh, throughout Phantom's the park. Revenge. Yeah, Phantom's Revenge. <laughs> um, w- the staff throughout the park were just incredibly friendly and seemed very happy to be there um, and took genuine interest in their work and um, in, you know, fraternizing with the guests and making special moments and so yeah, on. Yeah, one of so those parks where, like, the guests. Um, guest employee interaction was just generally very very positive super genuine um the fact that they'll just let you re-ride they have such a uh generous re-ride policy and i think part of that is because the phantom the entrance and the exit are so far from each other far away they're like you can re-ride if no one's in your row if someone is in your row like waiting for your row you're welcome to choose another row if there's a row that's empty the staff didn't care how often you rode or what. As long as they got those trains out in a timely manner, they got the station clear. It's really interesting. One of the reasons I think they're able to get the trains out as quickly as they can, is, or as they are, is because there's no air gates, which it's kind of remarkable. Kind of creepy, but looks very classic. It's surreal that you have a coaster, a, a 225-foot hypercoaster in a station with no air gates. 
and uh, a one block in the brake run. Just thanks to magnetic <laughs> brakes that against the operator to train. Installed by Kumbak. Kumbak. Dutch company. Mm-hmm. Famous for Flitter the Hollander. Mm-hmm. The water coaster at Efteling. That Alex doesn't appreciate. I, I like it, but, you know, I would I would throw Vling the Hollander to the woods to bring back Bob. It's no big deal, is it? Um, it is because we're talking about Kennywood. But speaking of classic rides and a very classic park, <laughs> Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. What a trip. Um, and a, like, wreckage in my ribs, really. Kennywood is special because it's like a museum where all the exhibits you can ride. <laughs> there, um, and I guess Sean is. I love wooden coasters. Sean's less of a wooden coaster junkie than I am. Um, I'm still kind of coaster. And you go guy. to Kennywood and you definitely get your fill. We actually only rode each of the wooden coasters well, once. Kennywood has a good balance. I must say that they have a good balance. Well, yeah. Now they've got three. Woodies. They have three major wooden coasters and three major steel coasters. And a major family coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Thunderbolt was cool. Um, again, it's all about terrain here. Like, interaction with I'd Fantasy be, Revenge. I'd be lying if I said that my favorite part of our Thunderbolt ride was the fact that we dropped out of the station the same exact moment that Phantom came down the, the second, the first drop, drive, and it yeah. was like a feast Yeah, that was senses. really cool. It was breathtaking. The trains are interesting because they're kind of classic. Yeah, those, but those, they rode. They were fine. Those century flyers. All these different old trains. They were all operating in, yeah. in, in top shape. So yeah, maintenance all, shout out all here. three of the wooden coasters I thought were running great. There's, I have no qual. I have nothing negative to say about the conditions of the rides. The rolling stock. All three run very different rolling stock. Um, I, the century flyers are in great shape. Very handsome ride. One um, thing about Thunderbolt is. Um, very lateral. Those laterals, lateral, yeah. Lateral, lateral, lateral. At one point, I thought I was going to die with Alex's weight on my side. It's just so Actually, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, they always make the smaller rider enter first, and I'm marginally smaller than Sean. Really, I'm just shorter. We're, like, very close in weight. It's 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 marginal, Different I think, our weight. Guess, but yeah. because I'm the Because Sean's the taller one, he always gets pigeonholed as, like, the bigger one, which is why they always make him sit in the very back when we ride the Krakatoa water coaster at Volcano Bay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure it wouldn't make any difference because I think we're like within five pounds of each other. Yeah, I think within ten. Yeah, um, heavier, but, yeah. but but yeah. So I guess one of the only minor drawbacks about like the wooden coasters, the old with the old trains. Racer has um, PTC buzz bar trains with with seat dividers, and you know I don't. I I still love a good PTC train, especially with buzz bars. I I'm not picky. Um, for our Europeans that don't know what bus bars are, they are single, the single folding. Ratcheting well, they just bars. fold. They don't that, ratchet. It's either uh, locked well, or single yeah, fold. I guess yeah, they're either locked bars or they're unlocked. That come down from the top of the vehicle um, onto you know oh, hovering over the laps mm-hmm. of riders. Yeah. It usually doesn't touch the riders and lap unless you're big. The the Century Flyers on Thunderbolt have something similar, and then Jackrabbit has nothing. Jackrabbit's just a seatbelt and a and a a large thick handlebar that kind of serves also as a lap bar but it's static so yeah you have to have weasel to yourself under it um i almost found the tracks getting out of it <laughs> but yeah i guess my thing is that the rides um are very very well padded they're very pillowy in the seats but that kind of leaves less room for us and we're we have very large proportions so like all three of our rides on the wooden coasters uh we were definitely snug um, in our little seats. But it wasn't terrible. It was better than I expected. Yeah. I just love Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt's one of my favorite wooden coasters because I just think the, the two parts of it, the old Pippin side, which is the, you know, the ravine, uh, double the out and back, and then the, the uh, Thunderbolt side of it, the, yeah. the double helix configuration there um, in the middle of the ride that was added in 1964 by the Philadelphia Toboggan Company. It's like, truly, it's two rides in one. Really, it's a, it's, it's a great three-part experience where you have the crazy drop out of the station and the turnaround. You go up into the lift hill, and then coming off the lift hill, you start, like, the second of three parts. And then after you finish the uh, the double helix configuration, you, you come down and you have a... You Another reprise. Drop, you reprise yeah. the beginning of the ride with, like, a bigger version. That last drop at the end is fabulous. There's... There's nothing like the pacing of these wooden coasters at Kennywood because their fastest and greatest and best moments are usually right at the very end. And the beginning. 
It's yeah, the whole the ride. Lift, the yeah. racer um, has pretty shallow drops in the beginning, but the pacing is just awesome because it seems to you go further and further down with each drop. Every drop brings you closer and closer to the ground to the point where the final drop on the racer, which is immediately underneath the first drop, is down in the dirt, and it's it, it's hard to it's it's not immediately apparent that you're even off of the ground with like the racer because station is level with the midway but once you're standing in the station you realize you're on stilts and that the ravine or i guess parts of the ravine have are up underneath you and that the ride which is deceptively flat looking is actually situated and, and layered like a lasagna almost um to the point where you come you're coming down that last drop right before the brake run and i think that might be the fastest part of the whole ride um I think Thunderbolt's fastest moment is also that last drop right before it comes into the brake run. And then there's Jackrabbit, which, of course, is just adorable. The double dip delivered. Um, I like Jackrabbit. Super. I mean, if I had to rank the Woodies, I think I liked Racer the best because they ran very well. These, this was the best ride I've ever had on the Racer. Um, I liked the classic entrance to the ride. I mean, they all have very cool entrances. They're all really yeah. classic and in their own ways, but... Um, I just liked Razor's presentation. It ran smoothly. Um, surprising about the Razor's layout is, is that a lot of these old wooden coasters that race, they kind of have a very blockish kind of like drop, turn, drop, turn. And while that was yeah. also the case for Razor, the cool thing about Razor is that um, it wasn't like straight like parallel. It's got like some elements nice curves weren't to parallel. It. Like the, the drops are all have some laterals in them. Exactly. And when you have the drop off of the first turnaround and into that like big hill, the hill is like is shaped almost like a Z, you know? Like it's yeah. not just like a straight hill. And the I really enjoyed is, is how wonky it was like that. So I really I thought that was I also awesome. love that they've got two whitewash wooden coasters and they have the racer, which is just all natural, very dark, like a like a, t- uh, a tinted, like a stained um, presentation, dark red brownish color. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I again, I'm a huge, huge fan. I love the old vintage trains on the other two wooden coasters, but I gotta say that it, it's a shame that the racer doesn't have its original trains anymore. But um, I would say that the PTCs were the most comfortable of the three uh, trains for us on our particular visit um, this time. So <laughs> there is something to be said um, for that. Let's talk about some of the other rides they've got. So, what we also rode was, okay, your biggest like biggest surprise of the visit, coaster wise, was probably Exterminator. It was Exterminator for sure because Exterminator, um, it's a Revertron custom, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, it might be straight off the shelf. I don't even know. I I, I was fooled, but I think the way the station is positioned, and then you do you come. I thought maybe the station and the final brakes had been configured differently, but when I think oh, in my and if I think up. of like Rockstar Coaster at um, Fun Spot, cool like one. in my mind's yeah. eye, it's like the station is on the long side of the ride, um, and you dispatch and you have that straight section and and then take the you kind of do a U turn out of the station before you go up the lift hill with that long straight section in between the two uh, ninety degree turns. So. Uh, but yeah, Exterminator, I was themed to extermination of rats and what looks like a steel a foundry, plant. yeah. Um, very nicely themed, animatronics, good audio, awesome theming inside. It was just, it was a very fun coaster. So like, much I really enjoyed to it. see, really fact, We rode that, I think, the third thing we rode, and we jumped right back in line. Yeah, we like, rode it, it was, twice. It was so good. Right away. It's, it's, it's strong enough. It, 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 it's a true dark ride. Uh, coaster. This is definitely when I think it's evident when you ride a ride like that. They're like, oh, these people, people who run this park, care about dark rides because they. This is such a. It was such a weird thing, taking off the shelf coaster and make it a dark ride, and it was kind of like. I don't know. It was a. Good, it was a cool choice. Uh, I mean, speaking of dark rides, we also rode their Ghostwood. Um, oh yeah, we rode Ghostwood Estates. That one. Which is fine. The upstairs one that's like elevated. Yeah, it was it was like in semi trackless. It used to be a shooting dark ride, and now it's not. Yeah, some of the apparently. hardware is still was there. Weird. But I liked it. I mean, it was it was it was basic. Yeah. Um, but the old mill, which they redid this season. The old mill is that so was really cute. good. That was fun. That's a really satisfying ride. Classic, well maintained. You get your own boat per party. So Sean and I had a private little boat to ourselves, and uh, it's a lengthy ride. 
Yeah. It is much longer than Even if you have to wait a little bit, it's such it's so worth the wait. The uh, new scenes and stuff, the practical effects that follow the life and times of Harold the uh, skeleton, fabulous. Really adorable. And they they feel that they feel like they were uh, um, well cared. Like they cared a lot about what went into the scenes for this ride. Everything is practical and static. There's not a lot of like too there's nothing Garfield's nightmare was a little flat. There was definitely a lot of like flat props, if memory serves. But um the the new old mill all 3D mannequins and some fun audio animatronics and a cute story uh, has you know it's it's kind of themed to silent film era so it's it's got this like Charlie Chaplin kind of cheekiness to it um, but it takes place in the Wild West in a ghost town he's a bank robber and it's just kind of this old Western um, adventure with all of the the exactly what you would expect from a Western themed dark ride but just so, just cute charming like a plucky sort of thing um so kennywood like exactly another thing that was really cool was how nice the thomas land was super cute very cute nice very nice yeah i mean not not much to their to train about, ride that they've had for a very cool long goes time all over the park yeah um that their thomas locomotive and train and uh, passenger cars for the train ride look amazing it's a full-sized thomas train like it's it's actually to scale from what you would like. Sean and I both grew up watching Thomas the Tank Engine, the original one with uh, Ringo Starr or George Carlin, and um, the scale is perfect. So usually, I see. I mean, Thomas is a mainstay in a lot of amusement parks. Obviously, Six Flags dabbled in Thomas, and there's a fabulous Thomas miniature park within a park in Drayton Manor, and all their Thomas stuff is always like a miniature version of Thomas, like. A little kitty train ride. This is like a, this their Thomas locomotive is massive and feels exactly the, to the scale as you would be if you were a little if you were a person on the island of Sodor. Um, so I just love that. It's like a larger than life uh, Thomas depiction in the area with you know all the kitty rides and stuff. Just so cute, so well done. And another ride I really liked um, was the car ride right next to it. The it auto was race, the old wooden, the Traver auto, auto race, one of a kind. Wooden trough track bed with these, uh, like these like giant aluminum little hot rods. Um, we had so much fun. I had a hard time explaining to Sean like what it was and like why it was important. I was like, we need to ride the auto ride, and he's like, what? And it's not like it's it's definitely like the pre the grandfather of like an arrow antique car ride, which Kennywood used to have one of those. Um, it was replaced by Skyrocket, and we were promised that it would make a return, and that hasn't happened yet, but uh, I guess we'll see. But as long as the auto race is, is intact, that's that's kind of the important run one. It's almost 100 years old, just like, you know, several other rides in the park. It's it's basically vintage wooden coaster status, except that it's a, a ride, a tracked ride, and not a wood coaster. So before we move to the next steel coasters, which of course are Skyrocket and Steel Curtain, let's talk a little bit about food. Uh, first of all, there is this infamous potato patch mm. food restaurant. Yes. Uh, well, potato place. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. I guess it's fry, just a, fry place. A French fry. It's, it's, fry a, it's a very large French fry operation. Um, very, very good. It's it's Delicious. very, very simple. It's a bunch of fresh cut fries, um, and then you can put different kinds of salt on it, like garlic salt or onion salt, regular salt, pepper, you get it. I got a lot of respect. And then you can do cheese on it, and you also add bacon in Alex's case. Yeah, I So did that, uh, honestly, the, the third thing we did at Kitchen Not, we came to Kennywood, we rode Steel Phantom, we rode Thunderbolt, and we ate fries. And then we ate fries. <laughs> there was already a line. We were like, all right. And we'd heard about the place, and even though the park hadn't even been open for an hour yet, we're like, you know what, now's the time for fries. I'm in the mood. Everyone's in the mood. So we got fries. It was so we shared good. some cheese fries, and they were awesome. We came back later for lunch, and I got bacon fries. <laughs> and I went and Sean and got another round of fries. cheese fries. Gotta love it when, like, the signature be-all, end-all food item for a park is vegetarian. Um, so that's kind <laughs> of nice. Yeah. yeah, but it is, but, but it's like, it's not like you're missing out on something like... The bacon bits on mine were awesome, but it's not like you were missing out on like the experience of the food because you didn't have bacon in yours. What I really want to talk about is the Bites and Pints Food Festival that launches this weekend. So by the time this episode comes out, it already is live. Yeah. Uh, every weekend in June, 
It is the first food event or food Oh, yeah, I guess tonight is their first official for night. For Kennywood. Today. And honestly, it was impressive. The setup for the event, very professionally done. Um, signage, the look of the booths, they were high quality. They had like, little kitchens in them. Their roofs were nice. Um, I'm going to draw a little parallel here and say that they actually did a better job than Universal Orlando Resort did yeah. with their Mardi Gras food festival, which felt like a big, almost like... Identity crisis. Like they didn't mishmash. know there was no style. It was just white tents everywhere. Which I mean, it, people were it's posting a vibe, pictures. But it's not my vibe, I guess. People were posting pictures of the food online of the Mardi Gras food festival food, and I'm like, that's it. Like, and I went to the Mardi Gras opening weekend, and I wasn't impressed. Like I really didn't like it that much. And we had a really fabulous time at the Bites and Pines event. The food was actually had really good. Seven kiosks, like, it was really good. And the kiosks, if you're familiar with Kennywood, are. Uh, the kiosks encircle the lake that where has the sky, sky coaster, coaster over it. Is. So there's so pretty much from carousel <laughs> to steel curtain, all the yeah. midways on both sides of yeah. the water have food um, tents on them. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll start with the Caribbean one. Uh, yeah. That's close to Thomastown. And the, the Caribbean one we actually didn't get any food at because they had a shrimp skewer that looked really good. Um, we mostly focused on the kiosks that had like a vegetarian food option as well. So this one we just did drinks. It's funny because usually when we do food events, which has become like a several times a year thing for us now, um, we always kind of focus on the vegetarian edge of things because not a lot of websites cover that. And I feel like, well, if all these media places or all these media you know, entities are going to be covering a food event, might as well have a little bit of a focus on items that aren't I feel know, like focused on being as much. focused on vegetarian, vegan, dietary oriented food options at food festivals is like... There's a, I think there's a hole in the market there because I think people with dietary restrictions want to know if a food festival at a park has something for them. And great news, um, six out of seven booths had food items that were vegetarian. Yeah. They all had fun drink lineup. Drink-wise, I would say um, only, only criticism is that they didn't really seem to take any risks. There were some cool yeah. drinks, but it wasn't... I guess, you know, when you go to Epcot... Yeah, Sea I was going to say, this, was, this is not Epcot when it comes to the drinks. Um, they had a frozen hurricane in um, Caribbean, which is we got, and The drinks in Caribbean actually were really nice, because I had the um, Malibu coconut pineapple, pineapple coconut. seltzer. That was really good. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I almost all drinks were good. I just felt yeah. like they were necessarily... And, like, like the margarita the was exactly what it needed to be. You Waffles had a mojito, the mojito, which was, you know... a. It, there was, at its worst, food at this food festival was exactly what you expected, and the quality was good. At worst, at best, there were some there nice was some highlights. stuff that blew us away. That was like a surprise. My absolute favorite thing I've had maybe at any food festival ever were these scallion pancakes. The scallion pancakes at the Chinese at the booth? China Pavilion. <laughs> the China booth. Chinese booth. Yeah, they were. Super good. I, I couldn't believe it. Hey. They were literally... Like, we went back and, and got more. And I think more. these they're are vegan, too, which is great. If they're vegan. Well, then maybe dairy in the Do you think batter. there's butter? Or, well, I don't know. I don't, I, mean, want to, I don't want to assume anything is... I don't want to make any assumptions, but a lot of Chinese food is non-dairy. Usually it's meat, but not dairy. Yeah, like yeah. Vegetarian. It's not... It's like... <laughs> there's no animal byproduct except that there's meat in it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, they were really crispy, um, full of onions, scallions, yeah. and then had a really um, nice sauce. The sauce was like a like it a. It was um, it was like an it orange was like a soy, like a soy orange glaze that they did. Put and on then that. more scallions on top. Um, just a great flavor palette. Yeah, Fabulous. I would I would fly back <laughs> just to have tender those on the inside, crispy on the outside. I, I mean, Google I could have just near me. eaten a hundred of those. Um, and they had pork pox stickers at the same kiosk, which were really good, but just didn't quite. They they didn't steal the show the way the and then uh, or drink the there was a, was a black uh, rice ale that was pretty that good that was good that was a super stout yeah but it was actually like a really like good for dark. a stout yeah it was, it was like black it, it was, was like, it was black. truly black um, I yeah shout out to this you know they had a instead of having an Asian kiosk they had a Chinese kiosk and a Japanese kiosk well they did a good job of making it a global. What kind of food festival, despite only having seven booths, by making the two European booths, sorry, three European yeah. booths, two like Latin American Caribbean booths, and then yeah. two Asian booths. Because they had, in addition, it was a nice balance. They had the of Mexico things. booth, um, which that and the Caribbean booth uh, kind of had the North America, Central America thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we had Italy, 
which was another big surprise because yeah. we're not big bruschetta. Uh, what is it again? It was um, ricotta. We're not big ricotta bread. people, and ricotta flatbread was interesting. And so, but it was whipped ricotta. So you got the several pieces of flatbread which were nicely seasoned mm-hmm. with some oil, olive oil. Yeah, I think really it was. tender. And then the really smooth whipped ricotta. It was awesome. It didn't one of my favorite remind, it, it didn't taste like. It ricotta tasted like less. It tasted like unsweetened like whipped cream. Really. Yeah, it was. But like. Cheesy flavor. It was really hard to describe. Really, awesome. really, really good. Really, that was different. good. Um, the Japan booth really liked because they had a the Japan booth had my person. My personal favorite was the steak yakitori, which is just steak on skewers. And it had the soba noodles, um, which are good. And yakitori is really straightforward. It just comes straight. It just comes down to like the quality of your beef and the preparation um, and the way that it's prepped, the way that it's cooked. Um, the sauce preparation and then, you know, just sesame seeds on top. But it was really just fabulous cuts of beef and the sauce was spot on. Um, I had that twice. We did the pancakes twice. We did um, yakitori twice. I did both, um, both yakitoris. We had the crepes and And friends, which were good. um, The, well, your soba noodles were also really spot on. And like, not everybody realizes that soba noodles traditionally are served cold because they're like a salad like a salad form yeah so uh the they were a cool dish figuratively and literally great uh fresh crisp uh veggie components um mushrooms and what else was in there probably cucumber some other things yeah carrot just a nice yeah just lots of julienne root vegetables and things and just a nice flavor palette say the japan kiosk was Solid. Of course, you can get Japanese beer there and rice wine. They um, had a watermelon cucumber seltzer that was good. Yeah. Yep. Um, again, the drinks weren't out of the world. Like yeah. there wasn't. There's not much to talk about drink wise. But uh, we'll have a full dissertation. Yeah, I will say not every booth had like a themed signature cocktail per se. Uh, like the, yeah, the Japan booth didn't have a cocktail. It had the the Japanese beers, which is great, and uh, like a rice wine. Um, and then the seltzer, but not like the Mexico booth had Mexico a margarita. Was awesome, because the margarita was really good. good. We it got was two like of the elotes. It was a straightforward margarita. Was really good. The elotes again were were exactly what you would expect for a good elote. And we're honestly we're picky when we're it comes to our Mexican snobs, food. So. Like anyone that lives in SoCal can probably kind of agree yeah. that we take our Mexican food kind of seriously. Yeah. Um, and so a good elote is not always a guarantee. It may not be as Nor spectacular as like. Really good. The boysenberry elote at the boysenberry food festival. Not our presentation was really nice for this one, but it was really nice. Portion size was good. If you've never had elote before, I feel like what's important about this food festival is this is going to be a lot of people's first like food festival at an amusement park, and um, it might be the first time trying some of these foods for a lot of the people going here. So, like, if you've never had elote, if you've never had you know, scallion pancakes or yakitori or, or some of this stuff. Like, this is a great place to, to have your first experience well, of some of these foods. But they were seriously really, really good renditions of all these yeah. food items. They were really good. The crepes were great. Even That's, the crepes yeah, were great. Yeah, the, the French uh, They had the frosé. They had the frosé slushy that was equal parts very grapey, like a, almost a grape soda-y component mixed with distinctly red wine finish. Wasn't personally for me. I'm not a red wine person. Um, same uh, with I really liked it. same with the mojito. I am not a mojito person, but Sean really liked it. So for some of the stuff, I would defer to him. Well, well, that's the nice thing about doing these food festivals together. We always kind of have like a different thing that we yeah. It kind of is a highlight for us. Yeah. Um, but overall, a mad shout out at Bites and Pines because mm-hmm. for a first time event, it looked better than events I've seen that have run run for years. And they all had awesome clothing with the logos on yeah. it. Like it was they just like a well branded. This is well branded. Like the whole thing was mariachi really nice. performers. They had a steel drum performer. Um, there was an illusionist walking around doing sleight of hand stuff. There was Kenny the Kangaroo meet and greet for photos and hugs, and he's dressed up as a little chef. Find our picture whisk. on the Coaster Kings yeah. Facebook page. Oh, and uh, the last booth that we didn't talk about, the Germany booth. Oh, yes. We went Germany there last because the line was had pretzels first. several different ways. Uh, which Fabulous. were also really good. They had a chocolate chocolate pretzels. Dip pretzel rods. Those were good. Which were really good. Um, but my favorite would have and then still been the um, the regular pretzels. Just an like excellent, the solid pretzel with, with cheese, beer like cheese. a beer cheese. Again, not like super unique, but uh, well executed. Exactly what it should be. 
pretzels were a nice like shape. They were and sort consistency. Of, yeah, they were really fluffy and thick, and um, the cheese sauce was great. Again, it's like there's only so much you can do <laughs> with with that sort of menu item. You just have to take the simple components of it and just make sure you're doing it really well exactly right but like every everything that we tried the park was very generous they gave us two 10 punch tasting cards so we tried 20 yeah we, we got we got to go all over the place um, we didn't even finish the cards because we yeah they actually time. shut the points of sale down and there was food left over so they were kind enough to just give us food that they had prepared sitting out um so like that was how we got our second round of soba and and uh yakitori but yeah it was it was um it was a great experience. It was a great event. I'm, I'm yeah, excited for If them. anyone from the region is listening and is kind of like skeptical about yeah. the whole food festival thing, because, I mean, they're, they're a recent thing. Like, 10 yeah. years ago, theme parks besides Epcot weren't really doing any of this. Yeah. And now I feel like every park is trying one. And we have some of our favorites, like the Boys and Berry Festival we love. Yeah. Uh, we love Seven, seven Seas. Seas. Um, I like the Epcot ones, despite them being highly overpriced in yeah. small portions. They're a nice product. Um, but this really fits up there. Like, I really think the that food this, festivals this, this place... The Gardens Tampa has been doing lately are really awesome. Like, yeah. it's just... But this is up there with those so parks. I'm so really impressed. Good for them. So yeah. if you're in the region, definitely don't hesitate to check it out. Get on some coasters. Ride uh, Steel Phantom for us a couple times. Phantom's Revenge. Phantom's Revenge. You know, we always mess up that name. Yeah. We bought some merch for it. Yeah, the Steel Phantom shirts we got are amazing. Um, we also bought a couple of Omride photos, <laughs> one of which we posted to Instagram. Um, because we were matching the ride, so like, how Even could we not? Even my shoes are matching, yeah. which is rare. Yeah, Sean had purple shoes to match the purple, purple train. Shoes, purple, purple shoes, purple shoes. Um, <laughs> in our, in our, we do that every episode. In our weekly um, came yeah, out. Yeah, our unison. Um, let's go back to some steel coasters. Okay, so if let's anyone talk falling about asleep Skyrocket. From a food coma. Skyrocket. So, Skyrocket, I wasn't sure what I was going to think of it, because, you know, the Skyrocket 2s are... It's mostly about those trains for me. Having said that, um, not having a seatbelt in this was kind of nice, and the trains didn't bother me too much because we said we didn't sit in. We're the already kind of used car. to it, like. The well, trains. yeah. Well, without the comfort colors, they're so much easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, really fun ride. I really liked it. Really I will say that the first layout. like two thirds are awesome. I think the top hat's nice. The overbank, the zero zero, snappy. And then you have that drop-off of whatever the mid-course trim is. Yeah. And then you have that dirt turn into a corkscrew. Corkscrew. Those elements are really cool. And then having, like, the, the, the surf turns and the little hills, they didn't do much to me. They were all kind of, It's like, kind of funny how they're, they're elevated. But Sean pointed out that it's like those that last third of the ride is just elevated for no reason. It could be a lot more thrilling and, and interesting if they yeah, brought it closer to I the ground. I kind of wish that the... In those moments. Um, the surf curves turns whatever they're called yeah i kind of wish that was like a zero g roll maybe even like pointed more towards the ground to kind of like have this inversion barreling towards the ground um but it, at the end of the day it brings a bit of a nice balance because the first half of the ride is it, it, quick it's it's intense but yeah uh, we didn't ride it twice i didn't quite feel the need to ride it twice uh, i really liked it but i don't think that's what you come to kennywood for it's either about the old woodies or their two massive steel coasters that just kind of dominate the skyline and while skyrocket was it's a great middle ground coaster for in my opinion um it's not really what i was like oh well this is kennywood for me you know so yeah um we didn't quite focus on it as much and then there is the elephant in the room and that's steel curtain oh curtain oh curtain so all right let's say this so steel curtain phenomenal layout the superstructure dominates the skyline. It is an impressive... It's like an X2 vibe, you yeah. know? Like, the superstructure... I mean, it looks very similar to X2. When you are up close, you'll recognize all these support structures looking so similar. Um, yeah. Like I really the, like how... The it, dive loop at the end is, like, the total raven turn. How do you fit revival. this layout? Like, kind of stacked on top of itself in this small part of the park? Really impressed. Like, when you're riding other rides in the park, you just kind of see this, like, literal steel curtain mm-hmm. of... Supports and track that is really neatly woven in, and the coloration of the ride isn't as overpowering as I was imagining. Really, yeah, really was impressed. Purpose, like, uh, seeing it in person, the yellow superstructure made a lot of sense. 
actually. But, like on the lift <laughs> hill of um, Phantom's Revenge, I just couldn't stop, look, stop looking at it. It's it's a really gorgeous ride to look at. Yeah. Mainly it, because the layout is so spectacular. It commands attention. And walking underneath it, there's several midways underneath it. You see just kind of the train rolling by all over all over the place, over your head. Um, really, really nice presence. Really like it. The theme is cute. I love how much Pittsburgh loves their sports and their home team. The Steelers <laughs> is like, it's, I don't know. First, I was kind of like, eh, I'm too gay for this. Like, <laughs> I'm not really big into football. Not to say that you can't be into football if you're gay. Just, you know, I love my uh, offhand little jokes. But basically, it just wasn't like, I just didn't get it. I was like, uh, okay, sports. Then we were there, and it was like, oh, this is kind of cute. Like, this is very... That's nice. I don't know. It's just very... Like the little, little sports like TV kind of spiels and the football headrests. That was really cool. So I want to end the positive notes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the negative parts first. And that is that for some magical reason beyond my knowledge, Steel Curtain vibrates and it's like bad vibes it's just so like certain vibrates like a mother first the <laughs> elements are really large like the first like six elements you're like wow okay like yeah it vibrates a little bit it's not too bad but once the layout starts getting tighter and tighter the vibrations will give you a headache they will f you up and that was very unfortunate because this is the second coming of the looper really the american looper as as our teammate ian calls it mm-hmm um, and I, I really felt that. Like, every element was different, even though it has 9 slash 10 inversions, depending on how you count. It really doesn't feel like that. It feels like a really cool, organic, very unique layout. But the vibrations really took away. But it was too much of a distraction for me to be like, wow, this ride is something I really, really enjoyed. We rode it three times. Uh, first two times were in the last row. Uh, third time was in row four. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that we were sitting in the back of the cars. But for a new coaster, it shouldn't just, make it a shouldn't, difference. It, it, there's no excuse for the ride tracking the way that it does, and it's especially it's painfully obvious when you're uh, riding Phantom's Revenge. You know, inter, interweaving, which Phantom's Revenge is just run. It tracks like an absolute dream. This is exactly what we talk about when we talk about how much we love our old arrows. And Vacomas, and it's like, yeah, they may or may not beat the crap out of you with their transitions, but you know what? They they glide along, so gorgeous. It's just yeah, I don't. I mean, you ride something like Steel Curtain, and there's just no reason for it to vibrate like that. And I don't think it's the park. I really don't. Well, yeah, I don't think it's the park. And we're looking at the park's maintenance of the roller coaster. It's it's absolutely phenomenal how they're keeping so many really old attractions alive, and how much care is put into stuff like. Um, you know, Phantom's Revenge and, and the Woodies. So I definitely think it's it's a manufacturing flaw. And I, I don't even know what exactly is causing the vibration so badly. It's just very unfortunate. The trains are really similar to Max Force. And as far as we know, Max Force does not do this. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But something needs to be done because... And I think that if they get rid of those vibrations... This could be, like, a top 10 for the U.S. Yeah. Like, it's that good. Like, it's that solid of a looper. If this ride... The elements are awesome. The pacing sm- is solid. If it was as smooth as Phantom's Revenge, this ride would be out of control amazing. It would be... Because it's a really good a ride. Sensation. And the comfort, like, when it comes to actual seats and the lap bars I really enjoyed. It's just a really cool ride. Like, the first course crew up in the air, kind of like Dragonfire, but, you know, next level. Really suspended, like, 200-plus feet over the park. It's really, really neat. It's a really neat ride. Um, their Cobra Rollish element reminds me a lot of the giant inverted boomerangs. Oh my god! It yes, it comes in from the center. You're standing of the ride. underneath it, and it's like, oh my god, this is the like the same height and size and dimensions and shape of the giant inverted boomerang. The way it like crosses itself, and like the fabled sit down giant boomerang that was supposedly going to come to Fiesta Texas. We're like, oh my god, we're looking at it. Like we're looking at the giant. The 200 It has foot. a sea serpent roll, which is kind of yeah. rare. There's not that many of them. Yeah. Um, it has a stall, a really, really nice dive loop. So overall, layout-wise, like the corkscrew and the final um, cutback, cut back. really, really impressive ride. Really fun layout. I really like the way it, it fits and towering over Kennywood. It is just that vibration I for me. I just think like, Kennywood deserves better. The, the, they need to... I hope that maintenance and... 
I, I just hope that they it gets fixed and that they pursue it. I think it's gonna. I think what's gonna happen is it will get worse. It'll get to the point where it's unbearable, and then they'll have no choice. And the manufacturer's gonna step up to the plate to get um, fixed. I expect SNS to follow through because we love SNS, um, obviously. So we expect the the issue to be addressed. For now, um, the ride needs to be open. Because the general public, and, and I've, I've talked to a lot of enthusiasts that don't, that they can't relate. They don't think that the vibration, either they didn't notice it as much or it doesn't. For me, it made me almost nauseous. Like, coming back in the brake run each time, the vibration made me feel, like, queasy almost. Um, and I would have, like, a slight headache. It wasn't, like, coming off of Diamondback at Kings Island with a migraine, but it was still annoying. And there's just no, there's just no reason for a brand new ride to do this. So... Whatever it takes, like I just hope that in the future something will be different. There may need to be, they may need to do something major with the wheel assembly design um, on the coaster. It's it's it just has a very prototypey feel to it, and I think it's nothing that can't be fixed. It's just right now the ride needs to be open. We were really lucky that we wrote it because it had been closed for. Oh, like a year and a half. I think the vibrations so. are no issue, and I think the parks worked on it as hard as they can. But um, the important thing is that the I'm ride still is really glad we wrote it, though. And the ride I, is people love popular. It. It's successful, and it, it's bringing. I think it's drawing a lot of attention. It's bringing people in, and people are excited about it. And that's what matters. Like, and even our Uber ride, even our Uber drivers were like talking yeah. about it. And I will say that I I look forward to coming back, not just for fans' events, but also for Steel Curtain, because yeah. I do truly believe that. Once they get this problem figured out, it's going to be like yeah. a really good ride. It's going to be their X2 for years to come. Yeah. I mean, it is it is by far I, the largest yeah. thing there. It's, I guess I should say it's I, are, immensely I, large. I absolutely, it really dwarfs to a fantasy revenge. Already, you feel that way? Anticipate, yeah, yeah, you're like right fantasy revenge. Like, wow, yeah. this way big coast is right over there. It's a, <laughs> it's the ride is like stupid majestic. Like it is. I know. Just I'm like so, obsessed with how gracious. So cool. the, even the layout looks so. Yeah, we we like the ride, and I'm sure we could love it. We're once big fans. Up trains. <laughs> We're sports fans now, I guess. Well, no, I'm I'm a roller coaster fan. The theme yeah. could have been anything in my mind, yeah. but. Um, overall, well, now we're Steel Curtain fans. We're Steel Curtain fans, but only and from, the Steel Factory next only from the stands. That's right, fans from the stands. Fans from the stands. We love taking from pictures of Steel Curtain. Yeah, we're gonna have lots of cool pictures for you guys to check out on thecoasterkings.com in our Kennywood articles, uh, but also, of course, on our social media, our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff. Um, a ride that we were so excited to ride for nostalgic purposes was Aero 360. Oh, yes. Uh, it's a very nice compliment to um, Steel Curtain, that black and yellow. I know, it's almost like they were built together. I guess I'd never made the connection that, like, Kennywood's yellow arrow with the black text is like. Everything is black and yellow everywhere in Pittsburgh. It's all black and, or I guess black and gold because it's the Steelers. So um, there is a very cohesive black and yellow component throughout the park. Aero 360 is a classic for us because of Hammerhead Shark at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. Um, I'm officially old. I, There's I also a really good one. I actually can't ride Seabreeze. Oh, yeah. I want to see Seabreeze right. is really nice. Yeah, it's the like single right, hammer right over yeah. by the... Um, but yeah, that might be my last Zamperla Hawk. I don't think I can ride. That. Like, it was a great. I was, that ride cycle. I enjoyed riding it. It was spicy. a good. It was a good ride. Yeah, spicy ride cycle. By the end of it, I was like out of breath, and <laughs> I was I was I was like okay. Um, there was a lot of negative feedback about the rides that were retired before this season. The paratrooper, which there's no trace of the paratrooper. It's just a field of grass with some trees. Kangaroo's plot is still sitting there empty like it's apparent to me that they're probably going to replace it with another ride um byron curves old spot um they have repurposed a lot of that spot as backstage they put a nice fence up between um the two structures like the 40 theater building and stuff and right now they have a food truck there which is kind of interesting um a lot of people are really pissed that these rides closed i i think people are looking at it the wrong way kennywood um, is single-handedly responsible for millions of people being able to enjoy a kangaroo ride or a Byron Curve um, or a paratrooper ride. Like they, there's a re- the reason that I know what a kangaroo ride is is because Kennywood had one and I wrote it. And <laughs> no one else has. One. I'm I'm lucky to be part of that group of people who were able to do it. And of course, it's sad that they're gone. 
Um, it's sad that there's only one barren curve left in the U.S., um, but I don't think the park deserves the amount of hate that they're getting for well, retiring these rides. Well, the thing we rides. talked about when we were there, it's like everyone in eastern, sorry, western Pennsylvania has so much to say about Kennywood removing these things. But really, we should be celebrating the fact that Kennywood was the last to operate some of these rides. That they were holding on to You know, them that all. they were the ones that were putting in the money and effort to maintain these classic attractions because no other park was doing that. Mm-hmm. And so for that, Kennywood gets my credit. Everybody's um, an armchair CEO, and they think they know exactly how to run uh, an amusement park that's torn between being this operating amusement park ride museum and being a park with modern attractions that will continue to attract people. So I... I feel like it's so easy to just assume that you know all of the circumstances and to hold parks accountable for things, even if you don't know, see the whole picture. Um, and I, you know, some pe- I, I don't doubt that there's also people who've done their research. And you know, if you're if you're if you're not thrilled with how a park is handling things, you know, over the years, like there's time and place and room for conversations like that. Um, but when I think of Kennywood, I really, I guess I'm not thinking about the kangaroo and the Byron curve being retired. I'm thinking about Steel Curtain and like what a cool and successful rollout that ride is. And I'm thinking about, um, Phantom's Revenge being so spectacular and unique. And I'm thinking about, uh, the old mill relaunch and how, like what a pitch perfect, uh, ride the old mill is these days. And, uh, what? No. You see something? Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm just, and I'm just thinking about, uh, like, the turtle. Everybody is really, really upset that the tumble bug at Conneaut Lake Park was demolished, and that's a, that's a conversation for another time. Tumble bug is a little bit like steel curtain for us. <laughs> I love the tumble bug. We don't really, it's not really for us. I had a lot of fun taking pictures of it. Not really my gig, but you know what? It's a cool ride. It's unique. And, um, you know, it's just interesting. And it's, and it's like, I'm just, I'm just so much more focused on the things that Kennywood does have. Um, I don't feel like the mid-century flat rides that have come and gone from Kennywood are the rides that I'm, like, really losing sleep over. They've got several rides that are 100 years old. And I think those are the ones that are getting the budget, the operating budget, the focus, the, the interest. And like, those are the ones that I'm really, that I, that I think are really the objectively the most valuable assets in this park. So I don't know. I hope the Bayern curve that like wound up at Knobles somehow, I would love to see that happen. I hope that's a thing. Um, I also kind of wonder how much time we have left with the one at uh, great America, but, uh, I guess we'll see. What else did we ride? Did we ride? Is that it? Is that I think that was about it. Pretty much everything. The park has a really nice collection of rides. I miss. I do miss the log flume. Personally, I like the log flume a lot. Um, I think Steel Curtain is a worthy replacement overall, objectively. But for me, I would rather personally have the log flume. But I just love log flumes. Um, it is what it is. They've got some cute old flats there. They still have some cool mid-century stuff going on. The the bumper cars and, like, the Mac Music Express are, like, such a German funfair time warp blast from the past. Like, it's so adorable. The, the park, I just can't even think of all of the amazing things that this park has in one thought. Um, Noah's Ark is closed right now because of COVID, and that's that's fine. We'll, we'll do that next time. It's such a cute little, again, it's 100 years old. It's priceless. Like, it's so adorable. Um, Black Widow was closed. We've ridden plenty of Zamperoa Discoveries. We always have time for another one, so next time we go to Kennywood, we'll ride it if it's open. Um, the Whip was open. We rode the one at Knobles, um, a few years back. We didn't make it, uh, to this one. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know, I just, I really love this park. I still love this park. This is like my fourth or fifth time, and I'm just... I feel the same way that I did when I first went. It's just, it's just a glorious place, and I think the the, the balancing act of, of keeping the old, building the new, making hard choices and sacrifices, and trying to please everyone. Like I think they're doing exactly as well as they can. Yeah, I really had a good time for for being like a first time visitor. I was impressed with the park, so I look forward to going back. Yep, I'm sure we will. <laughs>
And I also look forward to getting some more reviews on Google, sorry, Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Reviews. Leave us a review, a probably five out of five stars. Um, we would love nothing more than to grow our audience by getting more reviews and, you know, getting the word out there. If you don't listen on that platform, that's fine. Thank you for choosing the listen to us anywhere. Yeah. Uh, make sure to go visit thecoastofkings.com. Lots of new content. The next two weeks, we'll be back with Sven uh, from Harelbeke, Belgium. We'll be listening. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the world's biggest parks and what we would add to the yeah. parks uh -huh. versus what we did two episodes ago. What we would distract, yeah. So uh, or detract, subtract, subtract. This, Any yeah. of these words, remove, remove, add, take away, take away. Nah. Cool. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, what we're doing the next couple of weeks. And so long. That's all I have for today. Bye bye. Have a good night or morning. <laughs>